Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of JLL's Perspectives podcast. Today we're covering retail and particularly suburban supermarket orientated shopping centres. They've been having a pretty hot run as our lives centre more around our homes and we travel less amid the coronavirus pandemic. But increasingly, the local shops are becoming more than just a place to stock up our pantries. They're expanding to incorporate apartments, offices, childcare centres, medical clinics and other property uses. To tell us more, I'm joined by two guests, Matt Healy, Head of Retail at Eleanor Investors, and Lee McLaughlin, Property and Asset Manager and former Head of Retail in Victoria for JLL. One of them leaves us with a rather profound quote. One thing is for sure, staying still in retail is going backwards. There it is. Keep listening to find out more. I'm Rebecca Kent and this is the Perspectives Podcast. Matt Healy, hello and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Rebecca. And Lee McLaughlin, hello. Hi, Beck. So, Matt, first question over to you. Which retail assets are you seeing holding up amid the COVID pandemic and why do you think they are? Yeah, most definitely. There's no question that, that neighbourhood convenience-orientated, uh, non-discretionary-focused assets have proven the most resilient. Effectively, the, the assets that have a, a tenancy composition that have a high proportion to essential services, whether it be supermarkets, pharmacies, medical facilities and daily needs, uh, those assets and that asset class has most definitely outperformed the larger fortress-type malls. Uh, there's a number of reasons for this. These assets are typically located in locations uh, that are more convenient to access uh, and, and also have floor plans that are easier to navigate and, and also have larger on-grade car parks, which, which have fared well during the social distancing and trading restrictions uh, that, that have been enforced by the government. So on-grade car parks describes parking at ground level as opposed to uh, multi-level or underground parking. So neighbourhood retail is an Eleanor specialty. No doubt the resilience that these assets have shown. Uh, have you keenly spotting some opportunities? There's, there's no question there's continued liquidity and, and investor support for uh, defensive supermarket-anchored convenience-based retail that, that has proven that to be the most resilient and, and have sustainable cash flows during this pandemic. I see that thematic continuing as the market truly does recognise that the, those, those assets and that asset class provide relative shelter uh, during, during what has been a challenging trading uh, period during the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, Eleanor is a business, has traditionally invested in these defensive, non-discretionary orientated assets, uh, which, which in the past have, have outperformed by providing relatively high risk adjusted returns. Uh, as a result, uh, we've, our portfolio has, has actually proven to, to trade uh, exceptionally well. And, and this resilience that we've seen over the last three months uh, has seen us really continue seeking out high yielding income orientated assets that, that we believe uh, through leveraging our, our expertise and our, our experience in, in repositioning and, and providing additional mixed use uh, property forms to those already very dominant and defensive retail assets. Uh, we believe that, that there's a, 
a number of opportunities within within especially the east coast market uh, especially in regional locations where the, there's there's most definitely a, a, an asset class of 75 million up to 150 million in value where there, there's mixed use potential that that also provides very stable defensive risk adjusted cash flows that are sustainable in nature so there's capital out there for those types of assets. Where is it coming from and how are investors looking to place it? A lot of that capital is inbound from, from Asia. Uh, Australia has, is increasingly being seen as an attractive investment destination. Uh, a lot of capital is seeing Australia as, as a safe investment destination and they also look at, at quite a sophisticated property sector that that has retail, which compared to other jurisdictions throughout the world, uh, a, a composition of, of an asset class that has a diversified income stream uh, compared to, to malls in, in the United States and, and in Europe. Uh, Australia has is very much at the forefront in, in having shopping centres that, that do have higher proportions of of the, the GLA and the income that is generated from, from non-discretionary means. Capital is, is most definitely looking for assets that provide higher risk-adjusted returns, but have a diversified income stream that the investors can see visibility of those cash flows in the short to medium term. And, and typically they're then wanting uh, assets that, that do have a value add component that do have a blue sky element in which they can supersize their returns. Uh, that's the investor that, that we're seeing uh, come out of, of Asia and, and typically the investor that Eleanor is, is attempting to cater towards. And Lee, let's bring you in here. Retail has been undergoing some pretty fundamental adjustments over quite a few years, but certain trends have evolved faster than they ever would have uh, done previous to the pandemic. Uh, Click and collect, for example. What are you seeing across the shopping centres that you manage? You know, I think landlords and brands have been on this, you know, and I use that word journey for a while in reimagining what retail space would be. Like Matt was saying, you know, being able to unlock that capital value of an asset, well, that's more than perhaps what we traditionally thought a shopping centre would do. So what other part can it play in the community that sits within? So whether that's mixed use, whether that's aged care, whether that's a hotel or, or accommodation, you know, we're having lots of conversations around that. And I think with the pandemic, it was really interesting how quickly and that speed to change um, to your point, the click and collect. Um, so we had, you know, smaller neighbourhood destinations that perhaps had an ageing uh, demographic where we were able to arrange for pharmacies, for example, they could get onto the portal, get onto the website, uh, organise medications uh, and it'd be taken out to their car. Uh, we did that for the supermarket as well. So we we're reconfiguring car parks um, so that people could um, shop online. Um, they would have their designated time. They would come in and a staff member would actually bring it out to their car. So it, it was really fascinating and, and those things happened quickly. So, you know, that, that idea was in concept for, you know, 48 hours and within sort of that 72 hours to a week, it was rolled out. And when you're talking about major brands who might have hundreds of locations, it was fantastic how everyone pulled together. So, I, you know, I think that collaboration uh, piece will, will continue and looking at different ways to, like I said, use that retail space. I know of a couple of landlords who are actually looking at taking vacant space. So, 
Uh, we know that there are some retailers who are in distress and who may not make it through this, uh, even with the support of owners. So how do you convert that that space into changing what that um, what that retail destination could be? So some are looking at uh, even co-working as an option and or a derivative version of what that might be. So how could that add value back into the community? So there's lots of conversations like that. Really interesting. So the local shops are not just for the grocery run, I suppose. Um, I guess it's common now to see medical centres in those um, places. But co-working, as you say, Lee, is more of an emerging trend. I think there's a co-working operator, Watso, which is set up in a Westfield shopping centre in Chermside, um, north of Brisbane. And I understand that's been really successful. Um, And there are other suburban retail spots that are being transformed into like mega mixed-use urban developments. Um, So, Matt, I'm interested to know, you know, um, some of the ideas that Eleanor has up its sleeve for its assets. One thing is for sure the solutions for for yesterday are not going to be the solutions for for the retail uh, transformation and evolution today. Now, a lot of that comes back down to us looking through a a very creative, innovative and agile lens when when we look at what we're going to do with the built form of a shopping centre. That's increasingly seeing us uh, provide solutions that that are non-retail. We're typically taking assets that have a defensive income stream, make sure that the retail uh, is set up for sustainability, uh, the occupancy costs for your, your, your trading partners, which are your tenants, is uh, their rent profiles uh, are on sustainable footing, such that the, the capital and the investors that, that are actually coming along for the journey to start with see visibility of those cash flows. We then look at, at really what we can do to that asset that, that can actually provide uh, the opportunity to, to really play towards a, a global phenomenon, which is people wanting to, to live, work and play in, in an integrated and, and central location. That, that sees us looking at, at potentially integrating co-working, office, medical, health and wellbeing, residential, aged care, service departments. The, no one solution will fit uh, a particular property, depending on where it's located, the demographic of that trade area. And, and not only the, the demographic that currently exists uh, in that particular suburb or, or that city, but more importantly, what's happening with, with migration and, and what's happening with uh, education within that trade area that, that is going to, to ensure that it's a different customer that's going to be not only shopping at, at your particular centre, but also buying your residential apartment or, or visiting the office tower that you're going to create. So we see... We see the first six to 12 months of of any uh, investment journey being the most crucial in that you need to to start with a broad uh, and and blank canvas, determine what the size of the prize could look like. And in that regard, these assets that we're buying, typically town centre locations, uh, have have great proximity to infrastructure, have have seamless connection to, to floor plates of cars, uh, there's no reason why we can't continue uh, integrating all the different types of, of property asset classes into true mixed-use centres, uh, and that's what we're continuing to do uh, at Eleanor. 
You talk about that crucial six to 12 month period during which time, uh, no doubt, you're poring over sets of data that can indicate who your future customers might be. Um, but Lee, how do you ascertain trends on a more micro level that can support redevelopment decisions? So there's the usual metrics, um, you know, the sales and the traffic and the occupancy costs. And we use those, you know, we've used those for years to, to be able to either predict where we've got um, successes that we might want to capitalise on or we have weaknesses that we might want to bolster. Um, but really interesting at the moment, we have these huge uh, outliers. You've got pockets of retail that's doing extremely well and you have pockets that are doing poorly. So our job in that active management piece, it's not a passive process. You've got to keep the proverbial finger on the pulse. So, you know, it's really important that, you know, we look at those those retail sales figures but in the context of the environment that we're in. So the retail sales figures, you know, offset by, you know, the increase in household savings, which is offset by the consumer confidence that we need in perhaps the certainty around JobKeeper to be able to make some of those strategic decisions. So um, from a micro perspective and trying to, you know, advise our owners of what the next few months is going to look like, we're drawing on a much bigger sort of data set if you, um, in that sort of economic sense than perhaps we would have previously. Um, and it's just, it's just a really, really fascinating and interesting process. We've been talking about Omnichannel for, you know, quite a while, it seems like, um, and this has escalated a lot of things. So I think um, what's going to underpin this, you have bricks and mortar retailers who perhaps um, had to close their doors, um, but then we're experiencing double and triple digit sales growth. So you can only make assumptions um, around uh, margins and perhaps the profitability of that was extremely successful for them. So how do they find that portfolio balance? Um, and then how do they resolve uh, that logistics piece? I, I think it is a really interesting one. I know of a couple of delivery brands, um, if you like, of, of parcels that are actually looking or having early conversations with owners around, well, do you have underutilised car park? Um, can we use that as perhaps um, we want to go to electric vehicles? Can we perhaps do charging stations? Um, so sometimes it's not coming up with the whole um, last mile solution. Sometimes we can actually be part of the, the, the half mile um, solution by, you know, offering up space like, um, like I just said, so charging stations, uh, clean collect parcels. So, you know, something that Amazon's been very, you know, very successful in, in having that parcel locker system. Australia Post as well. Um, I think we'll start to see a, a bit more of that. The half mile solution, Lee, love it. Well, given conversations are already happening to deliver new iterations of the Suburban Shopping Centre, my final question for you both is what does the shopping centre of the future look like? Wow. Way to end on a very expansive question, Beck. Um, <laughs> um, know the location that you're sitting within. So in that, um, we'll start with suburban. In that suburban environment, if you have a demographic that is skewed to uh, perhaps an ageing population, there might be a certain level of affluence. Is there a way to change the weighting of your asset and the usability of your asset to either have um, a medical component or there perhaps is an aged care component? So shifting the weighting of retail and it being a very data-driven exercise, not only what's now, but where is it going to be in 10 years? That's how you unlock that capital value of the asset. But even from a human aspect, you, you, become, a, you become a fabric of the community, um, not this sort of built form that just kind of sits there and if you build it, they will come. In that CBD uh, component, look, you know, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that experience component 
is going to be even more important. It's something that I think that CBD destinations do extremely well um, and there's a level of expectation that, A, if you're making a trip into the CBD on a weekend, you you need that extra driver beyond um, a transaction. Um, And if you're doing it through the week when perhaps you're ducking out of the office or... um, just going for a walk in the afternoon, your your experience level, again, is still more than a transaction. So how do we engage with that person? And, you know, I remember seeing um, in the US you'd have Tiffany and you'd have all of these um, pop stars that would play in shopping centres. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to go to that extent, but, you know, we did one in the CBD that was a light installation on behalf of ISPT and it was just you, you went in there and it was just it responded to all the music and it would change all the time. And that that type of experience... Is, is is what consumers are wanting. Yeah, very, very difficult question to answer. But one thing is for sure, that, that staying still in, in the retail property development uh, and, and operational space is going backwards. I think that the, the centre of the future, whether it be CBD or, or whether it be well-located uh, suburban and regional locations will have a true mixed-use component, component and, and be truly multi-sector in terms of what it provides. Uh, people have a, an emerging hunger to, to want to live, work and play in, in what they, they thirst for an integrated, well-designed and functional environment that, that also plays to, to all of the, the emerging thematics, whether that be sustainability, uh, whether that be uh, ensuring that, that, uh, that the transportation and, and commuter times that, that have been a trend over the last 20 to 30 years are eradicated. Uh, one thing is for sure that over the next five years, it's going to be the nimble, the agile and the creative landlords and retailers that, that will flourish and prosper. They're the landlords and retailers that, that work together to, to play to the customer demand and changing preferences to have flexibility, to, to have functional developments and, and centres that, that actually capture all of the essential services that we need, uh, but also allow the sensory delight, the experience, uh, the entertainment uh, factor that, that will actually actually allow people to, to, to integrate, connect and, and, and do all the things that they've done in the past, which they're not necessarily doing because of the, the advent of the information technology age. That's a great set of principles from you both there, which is very helpful for visualising a successful suburban shopping centre in the not-too-distant future. Matt Healy from Eleanor Investors and Lee McLaughlin from JLL, thank you for the chat. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Wonderful to talk to you, Beck. If those insights from Matt and Lee were useful to you, you may also like our bonus episode where I interview Chris O'Donnell, General Manager of Confectionery at Nestle, about the opening of the Kit Kat Chocolatory in Sydney. You can find that by searching JLL Perspectives podcast on all good streaming sites or visit jll.com.au forward slash perspectives dash podcast. Catch you next time.